0: I've enjoyed being in the uh, sayings of Jesus with you. And last week, if you joined us, you noticed that we skipped a week in that study and in that series, and we began a study in the book of Ruth. And today I'd like to conclude that with you. Um, The book of Ruth is one of the best stories in the Bible. And so I'd, I'd love to share it with you again. It was something that we shared a few months ago. But um, it's a powerful story and here's the conclusion. I hope you enjoy it. Our stories today um, are so negative and always include a lot of things that are dark and and, uh, evil and sinful. And this is a story that is totally pure and yet true. Ruth chapter one is where we'll begin today. So. A man by the name of Elimelech of the tribe of Judah had a wife by the name of Naomi, and there was a famine in the land. They lived in Bethlehem, and so they went to Moab to uh, ride out the famine. Moab was a a, a country east of Israel. Uh, they were the Moabites were sort of related, but um, they had they were not worshippers of God. And uh, they had a a difficult past with Israel. And so there was not necessarily good blood. But at this time, there was peace. And they were able to live there for a time. And so they did. They lived there. And uh, during the time that they were there, they gave birth to a couple of sons by the name of Malon and Kilion. And then Elimelech dies. Naomi is a widow. Widowhood at that period of time, was not a good thing. Unless maybe you had sons who could look out for you. And she did. She had a couple of sons. They married Moabite women. One of the daughter's in-law, her name was Orpah, and the other was Ruth. Ruth is our main character. Now, what happened during that time in Moab is that not only did her husband die, but both of her sons died as well. So here's Naomi with two daughters-in-law, three widows, um, trying to do life together. She hears that in Judah, the famine is done, and so she decides to leave and go back home. They're on the road back to Judah, probably a trek of 50 to 60 miles. And I don't know why she waited until then, but she realizes, oh, these girls will really have no future back in Bethlehem. It would be better for them if they would go back to their own land of Moab, to their parents' homes, and find husbands and rear families and have a secure future there. And so she tries to encourage them to go back. And Orpah is convinced. After some tears, she leaves. But Ruth says, no, I'm not going back. She says, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. That was an important one. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And so she, she makes this astounding commitment to her mother-in-law. And really, there was no future for her in going back with Naomi. Naomi. There was, uh, Naomi had no more sons. There was no guarantee of anything for her. She would have been better off from a human standpoint to go back to Moab, but she made the commitment. Something in her, we don't, we're not told in the book why she made that commitment, but she made the commitment to go back with her mother-in-law. Well, they arrive in Bethlehem, And the ladies of the town come out and greet Naomi, and they say, oh, Naomi, how are you doing? And and she says, don't call me Naomi, which, by the way, meant pleasant in the Hebrew language. She says, call me Mara, which means bitter. And she says, the Lord has been um, severe with me. He's afflicted me. And she's basically blaming the death of her husband and her sons on God, and you can imagine the women of the town saying, whoa, we were just saying hello, and we get all that? Naomi is a bitter woman. And so Ruth has committed herself, for good or for bad, to this woman who has, has a bit of a bitterness problem. Now, granted, how many of us have lost like she lost? And so uh, let's keep that in perspective. It was a, a big thing and a huge thing. Nevertheless, she was blaming God for it, and she was not a pleasant woman to be around at this time. Well, Ruth gets right to work. Uh, Part of the uh, Jewish system was that um, landowners, when they harvested their fields, were not allowed to harvest to the exact corners of the field. And if they dropped anything, they were to leave it on the ground so that the poor people of the land could come along and glean Gleaning was picking up what was left over, and, and so Ruth knew that she could do that, and that would be a way for them to eat. So she, she leaves one morning and finds a field and starts following behind the workers, and, and she's gleaning. The owner of the field is a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz happens to be of the same family as Elimelech, Naomi's husband, who's now deceased. And uh, but Ruth doesn't know any of this, and so she's gleaning away. And Boaz later in the day comes in to the field and says to his one of his workers, "Who's that woman over there?" And he says, "Oh, that's um, the Moabite woman who came back with Ruth with Naomi from Moab." And uh, Boaz had heard about her her reputation, this commitment that she made to Naomi had spread in in Bethlehem. So he had heard about her. So he calls her over. And uh, immediately he's made this decision. And he said, "Uh, look, it's good to have you here. And I just want to encourage you to not seek out any other fields, but stay here and follow after my gleaners. And when we, we move to another field, move with us. And uh, by the way, when it's lunchtime, feel free to drink from our water pots over here. This is unheard of for a landowner to make this kind of, um, this kind of um, compensation to uh, just a gleaner. But he did that. And part of it was because he was committed to the family. That was, that was ingrained into the, um, into the Jewish way of doing things. And so he was he he had a good sense of duty and a good sense of commitment to his family, and so he was committed. Um, later, he t- he talked to her again and and uh, just um, said, "You know, I've talked to my young men. I've t- I've told them not to touch you, and you'll be safe with me. So just just stay with us." And Ruth is overwhelmed. She says, "How do I how do I deserve this kind of treatment from you? i I'm I'm just." Uh, I'm not even one of your workers and you're treating me so well. He said, look, I've heard about you. I've heard what you did for your, your mother-in-law. And so um, I'm, I'm honored to have you uh, gleaning in my field. Stay with us and, and you'll be cared for. At the end of the day, she goes home and she talks to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She, she says, boy, <laughs> had a good day today. And she had gleaned about 30 pounds of grain and uh, she, Naomi says, well, whose field were you in? And she said, Boaz. And Naomi makes this statement that uh, he has not stopped being kind, not only to the living, but to the dead. In other words, she said he was blessing our family. He was blessing his dead relative, Elimelech, by blessing you. And so um, in providing for her, he was it was blessing his his relative Elimelech, so um, a good good day, a good experience, and um, Ruth is is following their harvest and and uh, doing well. This is where I'd like for you to begin to read with me, and we're going to read the story. This is so good, I can't. Um, imagine not reading it. So we'll read it. And we'll make comments as we go along. Pick it up with me now in chapter three. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you or you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. wash, Put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. So evidently, Naomi knows something about what Boaz is going to be doing that day. And she prescribes this plan of action for Ruth. And it's, it's a little strange, you know, particularly about wait till he lies down, then uncover his feet and then lie down. That was a Jewish custom that was involved in, in courtship and proposal for marriage. And uh, we'll read in just a minute a passage from Ezekiel that will explain that. But let's continue on the story for it to uh, kind of hold together and make sense. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. What a a lady. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. How's that for submission, deferring to her mother-in-law? When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly uncovered his feet, and lay down. Evidently, he, he was asleep. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Can you imagine sleeping? Um, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and boom, here's somebody lying at your feet. This is, and he felt like he was alone. He had, he had stayed there to keep guard over his, his grain that had been uh, threshed. And, so he says, who are you? I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. I'd like to take you to Ezekiel sixteen eight. You can see in the passage that um, the prophet is speaking um, from, on the behalf of God, and he's speaking to the city of Jerusalem. And he's saying basically that Jerusalem at one point was like a young person that had come of age. And he was like um, a bridegroom. And he noticed that she was um, old enough to make love and to be a wife. And so he spread the corner of his garment over Jerusalem. Um, And then he made a commitment to her and became betrothed to her. And so um, in Ezekiel, which was written sometime after Ruth, um, you have this custom being referred to. Let's not spend a lot more time on that right now, but we'll go on in our reading. So pick it up with me in verse 10. When Ruth says, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family, she is making a proposal of marriage to him. different, isn't it? One of the things that we need to understand is the role of the guardian redeemer. And we did talk about that last week for just a bit, but let's, let's go back to that again. What is a guardian, guardian redeemer? Another term for this often used is kinsman redeemer. I, I really like that better, but we'll use this, fra- this term, guardian redeemer, because it's the one that is used in the NIV translation. And a guardian redeemer was a relative who looked out for the good of a person in a family who uh, had a need. There were four ways that this guardian redeemer functioned. First of all, if a person um, became poor and had to sell themselves into slavery to pay a bill, The guardian redeemer, the the next of kin, um, who was able, was um, under Old Testament law, it was his responsibility to pay the debt so that the slave could be set free. (laughs) The word redeemer, we use that of Jesus, that he's our redeemer. Think about it in, in that case. Jesus paid the debt of our sin by dying on the cross so that we could be set free. That's the concept here. Another way in which the guardian redeemer functioned was if a person was poor and they had to sell land in order to pay a bill, in order that the land would not leave the family, the next of kin or kinsman redeemer, guardian redeemer, would um, it was his responsibility to buy back the land so it could stay in the family. I'm gonna skip one of the ways that the guardian redeemer functioned, but one more way, which is extremely important for our story today, was that if if a near kinsman died, although married, without children, it was the responsibility of the guardian redeemer to marry his widow and have children in the name of the deceased, so that his property and his name would not be lost among Israel. And so um, we see this in several places in Scripture. It's referred to in Genesis 38 when um, Judah had two sons who died. They were, they were evil, but um, in one case, um, they, uh, the son that passed away left um, a widow by the name of Tamar. And Judah was not diligent in providing another of his sons for her to raise, to have a son and to have children by. And so Judah um, was seduced by his daughter in law, Tamar. She dressed up as a prostitute. He didn't know it was her. And he paid her and he had sex with her and she became pregnant. She gave birth to a son by the name of Perez. And um, We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but anyway, in this case, Ruth is saying, "Will you marry me?" And by the way, you're you're a guardian redeemer. It's your responsibility as um, a near of kin to do this for me. Look at the response of Boaz. We um, we are so as we read the story of Ruth. I and I, I'm sure you were. So impressed with Ruth, I have to say, I'm equally as impressed with Boaz. What a man of integrity, of generosity, of moral character, of all that is good. Look at how he responds to Ruth after she proposes to him. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. Okay, now, initially when I read that, I thought, is is he talking about her kindness to him? Like, what did she do for him? No, he's referring to her kindness towards Naomi by sticking with her when she had an opportunity to leave and go back to Moab. Why would this be an even greater kindness? Because not only was she committed to being with Naomi and helping her in her old age, but she was committed to Naomi having offspring. And by those offspring, being able then to have property and to have the name of her sons and her husband not pass away in Israel. See, by her proposing to Boaz a next to kin, if she and Boaz had a son, that son then would become the heir of all of Elimelech's property. His property wouldn't go away, even though Boaz had bought it back. And the name of that son would not be the name of Boaz, but he would be named um, in the family of Elimelech. And his name then would have um, standing from that point on. So she cared not only about Naomi, but she cared about her dead husband and her dead father-in-law. And preserving the name of the family. So Ruth, the the levels of her commitment go deep. And Boaz sees this and he he just says, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at your kindness towards this family. You have not run after the younger men, which whether rich or poor. He's he's making it clear to us in the story that, that he's older. And so, um, you know, the natural tendency would be for her to want to marry someone her own age. And she didn't do that. She basically proposed to an older man who could make, who could become a guardian redeemer, preserve the family line, preserve the family property. And uh, what what an amazing woman. Let's keep reading. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you were a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He's concerned about their reputation. And um, rightly so, because both are people of impeccable integrity. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? She's anxious. Wouldn't you be if you were her mother-in-law? She told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. She knew about Boaz too. She knew about his character and the kind of man that he was. Let's keep reading. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. And so we went over and sat down. See, just to refresh our memory from what we've read, There was a near-kin person than Boaz. He was next in line, but there was a person who was closer kin that would have this responsibility. And he had to clear things with him first before he could purchase uh, property and fulfill the marriage with with Ruth. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi. And let me just pause here for a minute. Evidently, Naomi is uh, selling the land to be able to eat. Um, She doesn't have money, and so she's selling this land that belonged to her husband. And um, Ruth has made the the appeal um, to Boaz to protect that by becoming her guardian redeemer. Then Boaz said, verse 5, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. We don't know for sure the reason why this would endanger his estate. There's uh, two or three possibilities i'm uh, in the sake for the sake of our time today um, I'm not going to go into all of those, but it's possible that if this guardian redeemer had um, gone through with this and married Ruth and had a son, and this son was the final heir of him when he passed away, that all of his estate would go to this heir. Uh, to this son that he had by Ruth, who was really viewed as Elimelech's son. So all of his estate would pass over to Elimelech. And uh, that was a concern to him. And so, you know, that could have been the reason And like I said, there's a couple more, but let's not go into those right now. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And We talked about that just a little bit earlier. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. What a beautiful statement from the women of the town of Bethlehem. And let's pause for just a minute. So the marriage has gone through. Boaz, her guardian redeemer, has purchased the property, saved the property for Naomi and for her family, and has married Ruth in the process. And she has, and Ruth and Boaz have given birth to a son. Let's read what Naomi now says. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Whoa. Did you hear that? This son that was born to Boaz and Ruth was the grandfather of David. What if Ruth had been selfish as she left Moab and decided, yes, it really is better for me to go back to Moab and get a husband where I can be sure that that might happen among my own people. But she she gave up all that was secure. She gave up her best option to be committed to an older woman who was just gonna die. Something in her spirit said to her, this is the right thing to do, and she did it. And because she did it, all of this happened. And even when she went back to Bethlehem, as Boaz said to her, he said, you haven't gone after the young men, which would be the normal thing for you to do. you propose to me an older man so that your mother-in-law could be cared for, so that her property could be cared for, so that a son could be raised up in their name, in the name of Elimelech. So here's a self-sacrificing woman who lays down her life for someone else. And what happens? God has a greater purpose in this whole thing. Now from Ruth's vantage point when she passed away i'm sure she knew nothing of this she knew that she had a son by the name of obed and that was it and that god had blessed her with a wonderful man as a husband though older there is no man finer than boaz in the bible i'd stack him up against anyone A, a man of integrity and character and so god blessed her in that way and she was cared for in her life but she didn't know the rest of the story the rest of the story is that god had selected a man by the name of david to rule his nation and that david would become the ancestor of mary and joseph mother and stepfather of jesus ask yourself the question what if Ruth had acted selfishly and not did what she did in this case? We would not have a David. What if Boaz had been selfish like the other guardian redeemer and had not been willing to sacrifice and put at risk his own estate? We would not have a David. What are the things that God has asked you to do that involves self-sacrifice, that involve flying beneath the radar, doing something less than best for yourself, but maybe better for someone else. We may never know this side of heaven, but I believe God is doing things like this in every one of us who um, obey Him and follow Him and put Him and others first.